0: Do you like to read? Are you tired of the podcasts out there that just skim the surface of books? Or how about the book clubs that are designed to just get you to buy the book? Yeah, we were tired of those too. My name is Alan and along with my friend Phil, I was tired of all of those superficial discussions of books. We wanted something deeper. So we created this podcast for us to discuss what we wanted to dive deep into the books we read. Are you ready? Because this ain't your mother's book club. This is two dudes with an opinion. One day we should be able to do that, but like, it, it would be cool to do do live audiences. I I, I like I, I watched some YouTube uh, commentary or uh, YouTube show uh, podcasts. All right, let me go back. I watched some podcasts on YouTube, so um, and, and their super chats are just crazy and crazy. It's like it's pretty funny. It it just like catches people all the time, and it's hilarious in my opinion. So, uh anyway, so okay, okay, okay. Let's let's get to why we are here.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: to the core of the business. What Today business is all about? <laughs>
1: Good. I'm glad I'm not the one that has to sound
0: professional. (laughs) uh, Wait, what makes you think I have to sound professional? (laughs) Well, you look better.
1: So I think you drew Ah! the short stick on this one. Uh,
0: I don't know about that.
1: (laughs) You got my vote.
0: Oh, good, good. You know what? Your vote vote means something to me. Something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll, I'll run with that, right? I'll let my imagination
1: take that. Whichever way I want on
0: um, the pace of conversation. Course. Go for it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, we're, like ten, we're 10 minutes into the recording. And we haven't even mentioned what we're ta- going to be talking about. You know, hey. Uh, <laughs> I wonder. I, I the that, that first part doesn't go into the show. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we both said that at the same time. I love it. Oh, uh, all right. All right. All right. You no, know, I don't have the edit button. so I don't care about one thing or the other right now, but you know we're going to have fun here. All right. So, okay. Reason we're here. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. So one of the funny things that I have right now is um, uh, I'm going to see if I can, I'm going to start playing it and we're, we're going to, this will, this will definitely make it in because I, I think this is hilarious. Dramatic piano. Ooh. Ooh. We need the midnight DJ voice. Yeah, <laughs> ah, no, where'd Mr. it go? Hill. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Zencaster has for we're using Zencaster for recording has um, d- different things that you, you can put into the background of the, of the recording, and it's cool, whatever. I don't care that much, um, because we can always bring in our own stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, why we're here. Book, what's the book that we're talking about? You tell me. We.
1: <laughs> I'm about stream ownership. You forgot already, didn't you?
0: No, I didn't. I actually have uh, all, I have some of my notes up. I'm working on putting more and more into uh, my my Zettel custom. Um
1: Ooh. I yeah, need to figure out to do some Zettle
0: notes. Just that'd be hot. You just start. <laughs> you should see my, uh, I'll show you my graph at some point right now. It is actually, it's getting pretty crazy and it's cool. Um, I will, maybe we'll, you know what, there's a book I'm reading called, uh, how to, uh, how to take smart notes. Maybe we'll do that one in a future, uh, podcast and we'll, talk about that because I, I like it it's a good uh good way of doing things so extreme ownership all right so so i got introduced to this book back a while ago um so i was listening do you know the tim Ferriss podcast at all yes yeah do you Ferris. listen to it uh, i have off and on okay i i I did listen to him for a while and I was really trying to like go back through his backlog of uh, podcasts and stuff and they were really good um, at the beginning. And then I started listening to a lot of his newer stuff and it turned very much into uh, Tim therapy sessions. yeah. Like a lot of the episodes that I was listening to in the newer were very much like I'm sitting listening in on a, on one of his therapy sessions. And I was like, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to talk about this. I am tired of that. I, 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 anyway (laughs) it just was not my thing so i stopped listening to it but when i was going through his backlog i came across this episode that he did with a guy called jocko willink um he is a former navy seal i believe he retired as a lieutenant commander um maybe we can check on that uh and he was in, well, he joined, uh if I remember correctly, joined the SEALs in the late nineties, mid to late nineties, uh then worked his way up and uh, became an officer. You know, I'm probably like messing up a lot of his bio here, but whatever, if you want to go and you'll want to read more about him, there's tons of stuff out there about his bio, but he uh started, moved up in the chain of command and everything. And he started, uh well, he was in charge of the Battle of Ramadi uh, for a number of years in Iraq, and as a part of that, and then he was also the uh, in charge of uh, one of the coast's uh, training commands uh, for SEALs. I want to say East Coast, but I probably have that wrong. Um, where he was, a, a whole, the whole point of what he was doing is sitting there and training SEALs for urban combat. Uh, specifically to go over to Iraq and Afghanistan because there's tons of urban combat that going on there. And while he was doing that, he uh, developed a lot of these principles of leadership. Uh, and he wrote this book along with his friend and, uh, co, uh, fellow co-CEO, fellow co-founder of, uh, Echelon Front. Echelon Front is his company uh, where they teach leadership principles and stuff. And they wrote this book, Extreme Ownership. And I heard uh, about it on Tim Ferriss' podcast, listened to the whole uh, interview with him and thought it was awesome. And said to myself, I need to read this book because I like it. I like a lot of what they were talking about. It's awesome. And so I read it and I started reading it and I introduced it to Phil and Phil, uh, you, what, what did you do? Did you read it or did you listen to it? I listen to stuff because I'm illiterate and, um, the best kind of program is
1: a literate one. (laughs) (laughs) So I like audio. Uh, Also, it's harder for me to get books like that. Yeah. uh, $10 Ten dollar book in the states is like uh, thirty euro here. Once yeah. I have to deal with customs. Uh, or learn how which, to read Bulgarian,
0: which we just like covered. Why yeah. you hate dealing with customs,
1: right? Which will probably be more difficult if any of that ever gets released.
0: <laughs> if they hear about it, <laughs> right?
1: And I hope they do, so they can
0: learn how to correct their path and to become
1: better, healthier people.
0: Well, they, um, it sounds more like they need extreme ownership. They need extreme something, that's for
1: sure. Sometimes not <laughs> Um no, ownership, ownership would be great. Ownership would be great. And you know what? Um well there's reasons for that, and that's a whole nother discussion. But I, I, I mainly listen to uh I do mainly do audiobooks. So sometimes I feel illiterate. And sometimes when I'm looking at a page side, so wow, how's that for attention? When I'm looking at pages, I'm like
0: books. But that's a different matter. <laughs> so you I you listened to it you enjoyed it you told me that you listened to it twice right I did
1: I did I'm going through about to kind of I'm like third time but you can't say you're listening something a third time until you got at least a quarter of the way into it because then you're just like skimming but um (laughs) yeah so had two really good listens enjoyed the book got more out of it the second time um and I'm assuming this third time I made more more or less but they have a couple other books that follow on, and unfortunately, I listened to their next one, "Dichotomy of Leadership," a little bit. So I'm gonna try I, not to mix up too much of that.
0: I really want to lead that uh, listen, lead, listen to that. book. <laughs> listen to read. It doesn't matter. Like I, I, I think that uh, that one sounds like super interesting to me because I um have. It's, I don't know. I like a lot of his leadership stuff, which we're going to get into here in a minute Um, about, or we'll start getting into because this is a, (laughs) a, like, this is a, a really good book and there are so many lessons from it. And it's awesome. Like I just, I don't know. Um, but I want to go and read his uh, dichotomy of leadership. And then he has another book called uh, Leadership and Tactics or Tactics and Leadership. Uh, Tactical Leadership, I think. I'm not sure, but something like yeah. that. It's really good. You know, I feel like we need to prepare better. <laughs> we well, if,
1: if, if we do, we're going to get too far ahead of ourselves.
0: I know. That's the other thing. Like, you know, if we prepare, if we prepare, this is more going to turn more into like this American life where it's all uh, it's all very um, stilted and formal and not yeah. us. <laughs> not us. Not us. Um yeah so i
1: i'm gonna start (laughs) bringing bourbon just because bourbon looks sophisticated
0: i mean you know it 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 is sophisticated just for appearance usually it's such a really okay so let's let's dive in and, and dive into uh all of this um it's really interesting because the I, first off, I love the structure of the book. I don't know if you paid attention to it, but e- there's um what ten chapters? Hold on. Sounds right. Let Let's, me go to my audio book. I know. <laughs>
1: uh, I love in the middle of a section. Now they have chapter ten.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, that it's one of the things that um details. History. Oh, his his other book is Leadership Strategy and Tactics.
1: Okay, cool.
0: That's the other one. Uh and it's like one of those uh field manual things where he's all very much I'm going to hold on. I'm going to grab my hard copy. One moment. Actually, okay. wait, I think I can take this. Uh Union wires. I know. All right. I so see here. Uh, you
1: know. 8 chapters, 9 chapters, 10, 11 uh the well there's a couple bonus chapters in there 12 that go into the next book
0: so- yeah the the 12th one is definitely into the next book um all right so there is, i like the structure of it okay first off let, let, let's start there because i don't know about you one of the all right so there are a lot of services out there now where they try to distill the points of books down into like 10 bullet points or 10 or five bullet points. And that's it. Like, okay, that's cool. That's great. But the problem I have with those types of assist with those is those bullet points don't stick. Like they just don't. Okay. You can sit there and you can read uh, all of the bullet points that you want. And, um, the lessons from those bullet points aren't really going to stick with you. The, and, and the reason why that that's the case is, and, and there's like uh, tons of people who talk about it. The reason why that's the case is because there is no context around it. And what you need to understand, like what you need is to understand the context behind uh, the bullet point for that bullet point to like sink in and, and just like, you know, soak into your soul <laughs> It's hard to master bullet points. uh, A parable can really get into your heart. Well, see, and that's exactly what I what what I'm getting at is it's when you buy a book, especially a nonfiction book, you're not buying the you're not buying the non uh, the book for the bullet points. You're buying the the book for the anecdotes, or as you point said, the parables. and that's why you're buying them. And that's why I like the structure of the book. Because when you start reading a chapter, all of the chapters begin with some story uh, from Iraq, uh, which is awesome. Uh, because then it, he's like showing you, he's basically walking you, he and Life, because it's both him and Leif. Uh, they're walking you through how did we come up with this principle? And how did we like how do we figure it out and how does it uh, like apply and what is, how does it work? And then they, they introduce the principle to you in, in detail and yep. then they show you how that applies to business and how like that can apply in uh, your everyday life and stuff. I love that. I think that's awesome. It's just one of my, uh, like I think more authors could take lessons from that. So yeah, I agree. I like how Rod
1: is, And how, uh, I don't know if you want to, you could call the, uh, anything these men have been through is, um, vulnerable, but, but how vulnerable they make themselves being by letting you see the pain points they went through yes, and how they learn them. Uh, yeah. Just to throw like early on in the book, uh, they talk about where a soldier got killed, uh, and essentially he was responsible uh yes. going that and I'm trying not to jump ahead but uh, can you imagine uh, first of all coming to bear about that that was at some point that was my biggest problem and then to then go back make some learn in the short period of time learn uh, how to deal with that and how to grow and to give that lesson to other people all at the same time amazing I <laughs> Love
0: technology,
1: right? I th- I put my computer on do not disturb, and I should have put that on not disturb.
0: Eh, you know, focus. Focus. You do you remember uh, Hellboy uh, two movie? Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the the guy with the German accent? Whenever he said focus, it was always like focus. Oh uh, uh, yep, yeah, yeah. you say yeah. like that right now? Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Uh, Hellboy two is it's a, it's different when you watch that kind of movie with two kids bouncing off of you. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Mostly at that point,
1: it's uh, combat movie viewing, which yeah. is not to actually I shouldn't have said that in this context because you know, but a different kind of combat, right? You fathers are <laughs> out there. Um, we all have our battles in
0: life. babbles yeah babbling babies Uh (laughs) oh see uh, this is yeah this is awesome um all right so let's see like so that's the first thing that that i really that really strikes me about the book is just the structure and everything and i kind of i like that it just was really good and a lot of it is um goes back to what you said about parables and parables being such an important part about how we learn And that's, I mean, these aren't parables, but they are in the sense that they all teach a lesson and everything. So let's actually dive into that story that you were alluding to with uh, why this all came about. And I've heard it a couple of times. I read it a couple of times. Um, It was, it, We don't want to go, uh, like, let's, uh, spoiler alert for the book. Let's just put put that out there. There's always going to be spoiler alerts. Like, we're just, we're not going to hold anything back. I just want to talk about these books. Um,
1: But one (laughs) of If you you didn't read the book at this point, like, pause this, go listen to the movie, watch it, whatever, uh, and then come back.
0: Good luck. (laughs) No spoiler. I mean, all spoilers all the time. Along with uh, the whole this is uh, not for, for little ears. Yeah, not for little kids. And our title should be spoiled. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you are spoiled with that big screen. It is so nice. So nice. <laughs> oh, man.
1: If I, if you catch me looking lovingly off to the left, uh, I don't know <laughs> right. but in that direction, it's because I'm looking at the screen that just goes into the distance.
0: Forever. I need to set a sunset. Screensaver. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. I may not be able to work if I do that. (laughs) And you, you, then we could get you like a little pina colada, and you you could be sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. This is why. (laughs) Oh man! So he begins this whole book about this really horrible incident that happened where, and I'm going to kind of probably butcher it and you can, you can step in whenever you want. Basically they are in a firefight in Ramadi and there's chatter going on, on their, their radios about a, what would you call, um, insurgents in a house. And I believe this was like the, uh, the, army side, the conventional warfare side, and they were working with um, Iraqi soldiers uh, to help um, teach them and train them and through these, and they go to approach this But don't building. think of this as a, like an incidental training. This is like yes. combat,
1: live yeah. combat training, so yes. they're not practicing, right? This is yeah. real yeah. ammo, real deal, Yep, killing people, staying yeah. alive kind of thing.
0: Yep, and we and we actually get into why that's the case in a later chapter, but like it's very important to to understand that that's what was going on and the uh, army um, detachment that they were working with or the army company that they were working with I don't remember what um, they were I can they mix up them. the names so whoever, yes. whoever they say it was may not be accurate yes uh so they were they were approaching this building and they were going to go and take 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 quote unquote take this building um because they thought all right there are bad guys in there or actually no they didn't even know that they didn't even think that there was anybody in there so this iraqi soldier goes into the building and immediately gets shot at and 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 killed uh and unfortunately it's totally unfortunate it's horrible uh because of what they find out later um so the army starts like really attacking this building and they they're they're sitting there and they're thinking there are insurgents in this building and we need to take them out and they are giving us huge fire fire ba- uh firefight like a huge uh resistance there we go that's the word i'm looking for and then these must be
1: serious insurgents because they are well they're
0: operating yeah. yes that's the other aspect of it so like, they're thinking
1: they're from another country kind of insurgents, not the regular right. local boys.
0: Yeah. For a lot of people who don't know um, what, end, what ended up happening with Iraq, uh, very was a lot of jihadis. Um, you know, we might even get dist- destroyed, for me saying that, um, <laughs> a lot of insurgents well, would, yeah, that's true. Uh, a lot of insurgents would go outside would either go outside the country to be, the, to train, or they would come from outside the country and they would come, uh, go to Iraq and they would fight the insurgency in Iraq. And so they were trained outside of Iraq and in train, generally trained pretty well, actually, as, in insurgency tactics and such. And so then they would go to Iraq and that's part of the reason why there were so many uh, battles and fights and stuff that were going on and why we ended up having, uh, so, uh, having such a long, Stay in that country. Um, There's probably a whole lot more other stuff that I just don't know too much about because I haven't read up on it lately. Uh, But, anywho, so that's what they were thinking. They were thinking that that was going on. And well, uh, Jocko is sitting there as the command, and his SEALs are calling him up saying, We are under heavy fire. We are in this building and we are getting attacked by insurgents. And we, we need backup. We need backup bad and hard. And like, so they're thinking the same thing, that they're in this building and these really awesome insurgents are coming at them and attacking them. And part of the reason why they thought that was one of the insurgents came into the building and they killed him. Well, Jocko sits there and is like, what? like he just realizes something is wrong. And he walks up to the commander of the army guy and is like, give me a status report. What's going on? And the the army uh, army commander um, tells him a company commander. I I can't uh, anyway. um, Too much time to get into all the details of ranks.
1: (laughs) ranks.
0: <laughs> yeah. We can just get that. Somebody smart. Yeah, somebody smart can figure it out or you can read the book and they'll tell you more in more detail. Um, or listen to one of his many podcasts about the whole incident. Anyway. So he goes and he asks him what's going on. And he's like, there's insurgents in that building. And is looking at the building and he re- recognize and he, he he knows something's off and he, he kind of recognizes what that building is. And he goes up and he walks into the building Like he walks in and comes face to face with his men and he recognizes them right off the bat and they recognize him and he's like, oh shit. Like I am not, he, he realizes something's, everything's wrong and he just ends the entire operation and sends everybody back to base and- what 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 was happening is what they call blue on blue, which is friendly fire. And um, so what, what happened is the seals set up there uh, themselves in that building, and the army w- didn't realize that anybody was in that building. And so they sent an Iraqi soldier into that building to go and take to to start taking it. Like he was he was in the lead. The seal saw the Iraqi soldier, and they thought he was an insurgent because. Well, unfortunately we have, and and they do talk about this again in a later chapter. Unfortunately, the SEALs at that time weren't able to distinguish between the different, like the the different fighters and and such, because there's, there's, it's very subtle for, for people who are not of that culture. Um, Very, very, very subtle. And keep it in mind, they use
1: mixed uniforms. They do all kinds of stuff. Um, It's not... It's not an innocent task to figure out good guys from bad.
0: Yeah, that is insane to me. Like, I reading about it, hearing about it, seeing some of the stuff about it. It's like, yeah, that's just wild. Um, so anyway, they pull all back. They they so so anyway, this Iraqi soldier goes in. Who he sent in from the army. The seals think he's an insurgent because of he's a, he, he he's Iraqi and and they don't understand what side he's on, and they shoot him. And they kill him. And so then they send um, so then because they shoot him, the army thinks, Oh, you know, insurgents. So now they have to go and they have to fight that building and everything, blah, blah, blah. Horrible situation. Um, So they pull back to command the higher command sends uh, gets word, gets word of it, sends it down to Jocko and said, cease all operations we need to do an investigation to figure out what's going on and what happened, which that's normal operating procedure for them. You have something like that, something, some something really horrible happened and you, you got to figure out what, ha- like what happened to before you can continue because it's just not going to be safe and everything. And so Jocko is sitting there. He's trying to figure out what's going on, what, what was, wrong what happened and he just started listing all these things everything that went wrong in his head over and over and over and he just came to this he says is a a sudden realization i kind of get the feeling that this is something that a he was probably trained to do because um that's what that's kind of how you Train people in the military, like you're you're trained to take responsibility for your actions and everything, and trained to take responsibility for uh, the things that you do, particularly at the lower uh, levels. Uh, because if I remember correctly, Jocko went in as a uh, enlisted man and then went through OCS to become an officer um, shortly after nine eleven. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, I could be off base on that, but. Like, so I think this is something that was kind of just brewing in his mind for a while. And he just kind of came to the realization that this is nobody's fault but my own. And the company uh or not so high command the higher command structure uh his his bosses and their bosses all come to his base and they they're there and they all get into a debriefing room all the seals get into the debriefing room and chaka comes in and he basically he has this really dramatic scene in the book and usually when he tells the story where he's like all right whose fault is this and one seal raises his hand. And one after arm. another,
1: raise their hand, say it was me, the radio guy, the guy that shot him, the, uh, the map guy. Uh, a lot of people standing up, taking responsibility, ready to throw their career out the window.
0: Yes. Yep. And and Jocko said, t- tells all of them, you're wrong. And every one of them is like, huh? What? Huh? It's like kind of like one of those those situations where like I I put myself in that in, in in the the shoes of the the seals. Um, if my if my boss came in after some really big disaster came in uh, happened, and I and he's asking, well, whose fault is it? And I sit there and I say, well, it's it's my fault, and you know I could have done this, I could have done that, and he says, nope, you're wrong. I would be sitting there. kind of I, I, like, I like how you
1: throw that out there because. Essentially, they're talking about murder, Uh right? Mm -hmm. So these guys, generally good, tough guys, right? Good spirited guys, though, um, are all in their minds, like torn up about what happened. Yeah. And you got to, so we kind of got to keep in perspective that we're not talking like an accidental discharge or somebody fell off and got hurt. We're talking somebody murdered somebody. Yeah. Right? and the guys that did it really feel that reality and they're sitting there like in their mind they're in the fight they're probably still in the fight with their emotions Mm -hmm. right so they're they're standing up and they're taking and owning this ownership they're not just saying yeah you know i messed up the meeting and you know the the lights were left on all night because i forgot to do something they're pulling the full, full weight of this and when jocko comes and says no you're wrong they're they're emotionally confused because they know yes. they know they're not wrong. Yes, right. So yeah. it, I just wanted to throw that out there that there's a lot of raw yeah. emotion that we're just blown by.
0: Right. No, you're, and it's you're blown by you're, in the book. What? Oh yeah, completely. That's a that's the other aspect or one of the interesting things in, in it, and I wonder if they did that to kind of just spare the um the people involved like just not pull them into it I, I don't know it, oh. it, but you' you're a hundred percent correct because like these are people who yeah, they're trained to, to they're trained killers. Let, let, let's put it that way. All right. Like th- there is that awful reality of warfighters that warfighters are trained killers. Now we I don't want to get into the whole stupid discussions and stuff about that, but the the, the point <laughs> is that they're they're trained to shoot and trained to kill and they're trained to separate themselves from the the the, the enemies and stuff. So when you sit there and you think about that kind of the way that you're, you're pulling it out. um, You're, you're sitting there at first they shoot someone and they're like, okay, that's an enemy. They know how to deal with that because they've been training themselves to deal with that. And then when they realize it was an ally, they're not really trained to deal with that very well so it's all of that is just insane like insane emotions and stuff and so going back to like all that confusion and stuff thinking about that like i can't imagine the the tension in that room when people are telling them you're wrong it's like what what are you talking about like for me it would probably in a normal everyday office situation if we were to if like a boss was to come to us and and do that to uh with us, there would be a little bit of relief because it would be like, "Oh, my boss recognizes that or i'm I'm gonna keep my job essentially is what it's what that comes down to totally different situation for them because there's a ton of other issues that are going on, so the tension the confusion, and everything and like the way he tells it, too, like he could tell his bosses were kind of getting onto the edge of their seat because they're like, Where is he going with this? Where, where, what's he doing? Um, because usually, I what I suspect is that situations like that, the, the guy in charge on the ground is trying to pass the buck as fast as possible because he wants to keep his job. That's what I suspect. And I've known commanders
1: that would and have done that. Mm hmm. Okay.
0: I'm kind of, you want to? Ooh. No, 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 I don't want to do it. All right, <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah darn it. You know, it's, okay, I'll get into it a little bit. I um, careful, just like keep it. I don't want
1: <laughs> very, very, very much. The, um, you know, they need to, there's, pers- there's a couple of ways to look at it, right? Do they get rid of the lowest common denominator yeah. or do they do something that's going to affect their career, mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard for any level commander to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the, the metal that it takes to really, cause keep in mind, this man's looking at probably a dishonorable discharge after everything he's done, after all the pain and work and suffering that he's been through in his training, in his career, all the people he's helped. He says it: everything I did was for nothing. Yep. Everything he did was trash and his name and family is now mud and he's probably looking at disarmable discharge along with every other man that spoke up.
0: Yep. So there's not dive, a lot of generals that will do that. Dive into like, what, how does a dishonorable discharge affect your life after the military?
1: So if you were looking at any kind of pension, I think it's gone, right? Any kind of disability, any kind of stuff. If you want to it's like you're, um, it's, you know, for a lot of people, it's worse than going to jail for a crime. Yeah. Right. To being convicted of a crime. Like, to a lot of people in the sector, uh, businessmen will say, okay, I, it's easier for me to deal with a criminal than it is for me to deal with somebody who's honorably discharged from
0: the military. There's a yep. huge stigma on it. Yep. You, a lot Disarmed of doors, military. yeah. A lot of doors close to you. Like, forever. Forever. Yep. And it is – if you were dishonorably discharged, and like you can – I've known a few people who have done this. You can fight it and you can get it overturned, but you have to understand how rare that is. It's like one in 10,000 type of situation. It is so rare and you have to have – a huge like really good strong reasons for it and you have to fight and some senators yes that's the other aspect like you have to have political connections it's pretty like it's bad so the gravity of the situation is there like there's nothing good that's going to happen here there's just nothing there are no good options and so what ends up happening is he's Jocko's standing there and said and he's telling all these guys no you're all wrong you're all wrong you're all wrong the person who is responsible the person who is at fault is me and it, it's kind of like one of those uh Dwight Eisenhower the buck stops here type situations like it's a that is such like <clears throat> like such a minimization of the of what he is doing but it's a, like it's a good point in that all responsibility for that operation fell on him and him alone. And he accepted that responsibility and he told his guys like, I am the one who's responsible for it. I'm the one who should have done this. I'm the one who should have done that. Whatever you did, whatever you did wrong doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. It's because of me. Thank you. That, that's exactly what I was getting at. I caused this failure yes and then
1: he has the the manhood to say here's what caused it yeah here's what
0: we're going to do to prevent it from happening yeah and he kept his job and this is like this he got promoted i think did he get promoted from that or did he was it like more of a a later on i think um from
1: my understanding is pretty soon after that like he had to finish his missions he had to finish his tour um But because of that, uh, in the, the relationships he'd made after that, they send him to, uh, the next level Academy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And all of that, because he took responsibility like that, that is, and and that is what extreme ownership is all about is, and, and as he points out and as what we're kind of talking to about and leading to is you as a leader or any leader of any sort, It does not matter. Whatever happens below and under you is 100% your responsibility. 100%. There is just no getting around it because you're the one who's in charge. Not just below you, above you. As as you get into... uh, I'm trying not to mix the next book. But as you... uh, You can bring that. You can start bringing some of that in and that's fine. Okay. Okay, cool. I'll try, I'll try not trip over too much then, but I'll
1: do a little. So essentially, <laughs> there's like not just the, um, if there's a failure above me, that doesn't get me off the hook. I have to look at that failure above and see how I contributed to that failure. Yes. Yep. So, uh, and the other thing that I think is important in which I'm not sure how well is illustrated through this book is that it's not just taking ownership saying, yeah, I did it really owning the process, but owning the whole process and taking it to the next level, improving the process and, uh, be, uh, owning the system to make it right.
0: Yeah. So there's uh, there's actually, they do talk about that in, um, one of the, the chapters, uh, Wait, let me see. Hold on. We'll, we'll you Hold on. Look. you go. You look through your book. I look through my notes and my audio book real quick. Well, it's chapter ten, leading up and down the chain of command. Um, is part awesome. of that. That's kind of what what they talk about. We'll get to that uh, eventually. We're we're probably going to like. be another
1: podcast.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm looking at the at our time, and I mean, even if we threw out like the first ten minutes. It's like, we're just going to be continuing to talk about this for a while. I, and I'm okay with that.
1: It's I think this booking calls for it.
0: Yes. I a hundred percent agree. Like this book is chock full of so much stuff. Um, but in here, they also talk about one situation where they, uh, to kind of illustrate your, the point that you're talking about, and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this. Um, they're going into, uh, let, me, let me let me gather my thoughts for a second. So they are going and collecting insurgents, like they're arresting insurgents, and what they need to do is collect evidence for the insurgency, insurgents. Because what they're what they're trying to do at that point in time is essentially create and instill a system of due process in Iraq at that time. And so they have to go and they have to collect um, evidence to prove that they were a part of the insurgency. And what he, what Jocko does is like, he could sit there and he could uh, impose his own process on the people, but he's also kind of like, you know what? I got to, if Like I got a lot of other things. Maybe it was not Jocko. Maybe it was Leif. Um, one of them, it, it, like I could come up with and I could spend time, but there's so many other things that I have to do. So what he does is he delegates the – um figuring out the process down to one of his subordinates. And so his – and he says, all right, I need you to figure out how we're going to collect evidence in homes and stuff. And I, it needs to be efficient and it needs to be quick. And so he delegates it to one of his guys and the guy goes to, goes with like his, um, his, his LPO type uh, uh, and they go LPO leading p- uh, petty officer for those who aren't Navy oriented. Um, or maybe it was his chief. Anyway, whatever. It, it was his senior enlisted man. Uh, uh, they go and they spend some time and they figure it out and they figure something out and they come back and they say, all right, we're going to do all this. And, there's like Leif and Jocko are kind of sitting there like, huh? I don't want to go into the details, but it was a like the way they're apparently the way this guy explained it is really insane. Like it's super. Well, it was a it's fun, right? He talks about like the guy that finds the
1: evidence. Where's the evidence around his neck? Yeah. Yeah. And they each assign rooms and yes. the a process. Now, keep going, but it's fun. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you got to it's, imagine like these are see seals right these are crazy yeah. guys come yep. up with this stuff right they'll be happy yeah. to carry a house on their shoulders yep. if it gets the job done
0: Yep. but like the way they were explaining it to Jocko and Leif they it, it, they they had the reaction of this makes no sense and the guy's like no it does trust me and Jocko <laughs> and Leif were like okay Right. so they had to own that
1: process yeah and try to sell that yes yeah, which everybody and, else also thought was crazy as hell.
0: Yeah, but then this is the crazy part. Like they go through and they do a, do a dry run in their 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 uh, warehouse facility thing, and and they're like, okay, I kind of see how this is this could work. Let's go and try it out in the field, and it works like Amazing. the whole yeah. And they're able to clear a house and clear uh, clear a house, collect the evidence, do everything in record time. Like it is so. Minutes. Something like that. It was yeah, so I
1: think they said they got it down in ten minutes, um, which is a big deal because yep. you got to be ready for artillery. Yes, if you're going into an insurgents' house, mm-hmm. right? They know where that house is. They have it mapped out, and they're pretty good with their mortars. Yep. Right. So it's not like they're going to a grandma's
0: house tearing it up <laughs> and strolling out with a some cheeseburger the grandma made. Can right? You imagine doing that. A cheese. easier your grandmother make cheeseburgers? Mine, no. <laughs> Cookies. Uh, Mine made all kinds of stuff. She was kind of Germany. Um Ooh, German, Italian
1: German. Awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> Holy it, it was, cow!
0: Yeah. That is a great combo, right there. There's a reason I'm fat. Um, and then my wife cooks <laughs>
1: amazingly. So I never had a chance
0: in life, to be quite honest. <laughs> I, 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 my grandmother, or one of my grandmothers, was German. She was an Amazing German cook. Oh my oh, gosh. It's so good. Yeah, the and kitchen my, is uh, fun.
1: Yeah. Sauerkraut, everything. Just I mm. never
0: developed a taste for sauerkraut, but I really enjoy sausages? I love those. Those are so good. Oh my yeah. gosh. Anyway, <laughs> distraction. Awesome. So, the, the whole point of why we're bringing this that up is kind of like tying it back into what um, Phil was getting at with you have to own the process of the people below you and you have to own the process of the people above you which actually leads into a chapter called believe and also another one called simple which we will get into other later ones but the whole point is like it the whole point, the whole point, the whole point, the whole point. There is no whole point. The whole, What we're, we're, what we're trying to talk about or get back to is just the extreme, extreme ownership. Like you, you as a leader have to take responsibility for that. And the thing is, is it doesn't just start or just doesn't stop with leaders. Okay. It's everybody within the organization. It does not matter what organization it is. Like it's, everybody, everybody on the team, everybody in the organization, you have to take extreme ownership of things. Yes, you can sit there and you could be like one of the, um, one of those seals, who's, or one of those guys in a, after action report and a briefing where something got screwed up or something messed up and you're trying to, you're, you're raising your hand and you're saying, Oh, I, I'm the one who's responsible. And your leader could be sitting there saying, no, I'm the one who's, res-. well, you could end up in those types of fights, but that doesn't matter. All right. You, it's the act of taking the responsibility for your actions and you're part of the failure and, or or the success even, because that's the, uh, the other part of it. Like I, I've i talked to Phil about this in, in the past. I I hate false humility. Okay. I hate it. False humility is the like it's something that we in Western culture have really inculcated into people. And it just drives me up the wall. All right. It is idiotic. It is stupid. It feeds in it is a a, a way to feed into your ego. It is not humility. All right. And what I'm talking about when it comes to false humility, and I am on a rant and Phil is like really enjoying this right now. What, what I'm talking about when it comes to false humility is when someone says, "Oh, good job, that was really awesome," and you said that, "Oh no, I'm horrible. I'm blah 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 blah." That is false humility, okay? And if you are doing that, you need to stop it right now because what that is is that is a a a way to feed your ego. Because that I I am not kidding. That is a way for you to sit there and you can and you can sit there and you're, you're like. I'm not that good. I'm not that good because what happens when? Some- <laughs> um. Anyway, you need to see the video to to, to understand why I'm laughing at that. Um. <laughs> Sorry, you broke my rant. <laughs> uh, I warned you. I warned you, This is why I like Phil. This is why I I'm am so,
1: so humble and beautiful. And I have such a good hearts. And those kids <laughs> that I ran over in the driveway, well, they were breaking the law,
0: yes, you're they're not sure allowed to be on your the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah, But like, but I did stop puppy. for the puppy. <laughs> well, yeah puppies are puppies, puppies are, are so much more worth it. Innocent. <laughs> actually, I actually have a hor- oh, ho- I have a horrible story about uh, a running oh. or something. Um, i'll tell you i'll tell you later um so (laughs) sorry (laughs) it was not a puppy and it was not a cat and it was not a kid um the rest doesn't matter yeah exactly um but false humility drives me nuts because it's it, it comes in when you're sitting there and someone's giving you a compliment and you say no and you count and you go and you contradict that compliment because what happens what's that person's reaction that person's immediate reaction is to give you another compliment. And so, you and sitting there and downplaying their compliment is how you feed your ego. Because you feel, you, I guarantee you, you feel good about the first compliment. But then you don't, but then you're feeling guilty about feeling good about that first compliment. because. So, then you go and you discount that compliment in order to get another compliment. Double That's up on you. It. Yes. Yes. And I that is exactly what is happening and going on in your head when you are doing that. It is not conscious. I, I know it's not conscious. It's subconscious. And a lot of it is because we've taught people that they shouldn't take like they shouldn't take pride in their accomplishments and pride in what they do. And it's not, it's just mm. So when someone gives you a compliment, when someone sits there and says, you did really well, your immediate, immediate response is, thank you. And that's it. You end it. That's uh, humility. Yeah. That's where
1: well, A twist on this, right? Um, <laughs> there, there's, there's the version of this. And then there's the other part where it's like, no, uh, I appreciate the compliment. It's really the guys that worked hard. It's these men that did the job. It's these girls yes. that did the job
0: yes that's and not so,
1: false feeling that's appreciation of that's your that's
0: different. Th- that is different that's not like, what I'm talking about i just no. want to point that out yeah exactly if you're a leader and, and your boss comes to you if you're a leader of a team and your boss comes to you and says you guys did or you did a really good job on this it, it, you need to sit there as the leader and say thank you very much but it was really these people they did the oh they did this. like so what I what I've done or started doing in, in those types of situations is kind of um, what I'll do is I will thank my boss and say thank you for the compliment and then I'll give him examples of what people did well and stuff. like I'll immediately go and say this person did a really good job with this. this person did a good job with that. They did this. It was awesome. I really appreciate all of the hard work that they did. And that is like, that's important because you need to be, because you as a leader also need to, to surface those accomplishments of those people to bosses. Like it's very important because what often happens is like, uh, what or it's very easy. And they talk about this, uh, later in the book, uh, very specifically, like in there, in chapter eight, decentralized command, where it's, too easy for higher ups to be separated from the frontline workers and not see what's going on. And so it's your job as somebody who's in charge of a frontline worker to surface those uh, accomplishments to your boss. And and all of that leads back to the, the concept of extreme ownership because you're taking responsibility for your team's development and their uh, and their ability to to continue to do stuff because it's not so much that you're taking like you're you're taking responsibility for their accomplishments that's not it you're taking responsibility for their development by saying okay they need to be given the um the kudos of this in order to become better because or or to be to move up and to move into a better position in the company and i need to surface that to my boss so that my boss knows that this is somebody who's who's ready for the next step things like that so
1: yep and the boss is going to appreciate that if he rises you up right because all boats rise sooner or later mm-hmm. he has to replace himself uh, if he has upward mobility um yeah. or even if he cares about the mission sometimes he'll you know he doesn't want to be where he's at forever some people would be surprised he's oh, sometimes yeah. looking for the, the the person to take him over take over his position so he can have his weekends and life back again <laughs> but, <laughs> for
0: example i, I know <laughs> as, as he uh, says that we're, we we record on weekends <laughs> yeah because yeah, we I have so worry. much time during the week but oh <laughs> yeah so that's chapter one of this: is extreme ownership and just taking that. And so, really, the like the concept is is essentially just take responsibility. And it sounds simple. It sounds really awesome, but it is such a hard thing to do, especially when you are someone who has not. And these people are out there, like who has not taken responsibility for anything in in your life, like. Holy cow. That is such a hard, it's a hard thing to do. Like I'll, I'll dive into, into this anecdote. Um, my, my parents were in law enforcement or, or I should say criminal justice. Um, and one of the things that they have found, uh, by they I mean the like prison psychologists and uh, probation officers and anybody who anybody who's trying to help um, criminals transition from the like the prison world into their normal world and become a quote unquote productive member of society, of society. like what they have found is a lot of these people do not have the, this is going to sound weird, but bear with me. They do not have the capacity to take responsibility for their actions. Um, It sounds weird. Even if they say they do. Yes.
1: A lot of them will talk a really nice conversation. Yes. Uh, And this is, if I go into this, there will be no other show. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of them will really talk great colorful stuff. And it's all BS and they know it Yes, and they're used to this triggering people and still yes. never really accepting responsibility.
0: Yes. Yes. So that's one of the, and it was, it's like from a young age that that's what they were, they were taught or they found or things like that. It's, it's like. The culture that they were in, or because they were doing something wrong at some point in their life, and they just started like working and working and working, and then they, they eventually just ground it out of themselves that they just don't know how to, like, they can't take responsibility. So, one of the big, huge things that they have to do, uh, um, the the, the the people who are trying to transition these criminals into normal society again, is teach them how to take responsibility for it. Um, one really cool fact is uh, how you uh, teach people. People are uh, one of the big, uh, most successful ways to teach people responsibility or to take responsibility for themselves is to give them something to take responsibility of. Or so things like um, there are uh, many prison systems here in the US that use puppies as an example. Um, they will, uh, you have to be a good, good, upstanding prisoner uh you have to be in good standing and if you step um to to be even considered for the program usually and when you get into that pro uh the program you're given a puppy and you have to take care of that puppy every aspect of that puppy's life is your responsibility and so by taking um by them going and taking responsibility, like taking the responsibility of this puppy's life they learn responsibility they learn all of these things and if you step your toe out of line even just a little bit, that puppy gets taken away from you, just gone, and it's it's super effective. And it's not just puppies; it's other things. Um, like here in the uh, in uh, my state, one of the things that our prison system does too is uh, a lot of prisoners. Our uh, prisons are um, they have farms. They, they 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 are they're essentially quote unquote farm prisons. Um, but that's like teaches them responsibility or they go and they 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 work on um <sighs> uh they 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 go and they work on uh products and things that they they sell and they do it's just it, it's interesting so I, I, I extreme ownership is it's like it's a super basic concept to talk about. Like we can sit here and we can talk about it, but it's such a hard thing to implement in like your life and your everyday uh, thing. But once you start doing it, once you start taking that responsibility, things change like drastically for you. It's, Huge, just a bit like a big thing. Like one of the cool, like it was saying about the structure of this book. One one of the things that they do. Um, so they, they this in this chapter, Jocko gave that um, the whole story that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast um, as the the battle uh, situation, and then they talk about the principle, and then they talk about the it, it, its application in <clears throat> business and everything, and it is. <clears throat> sorry, my throat has just been bothering me. Um, so then they like dive into how, into its application and business. And I'm going to just like pull this, uh, um, look at it real quick. Cause I don't remember what they were talking, about, uh, production. Oh, that's right. It was all like the marketing stuff. Um, do do uh anyway, so I don't know if we want to dive into that and into the application of business because we've been talking about that over and over again. What do you think?
1: I don't know the uh, I think this is where people appreciate it because it's hard to for unless you unless you're combat, all yeah. the stuff that Jocko talks about that we talked about so far doesn't maybe make much sense yeah. And the great thing is when he applies it to you know what he's seen in the real world, then you can say, okay, now I can see myself in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good part of the the book. Maybe we should have started off with the, um, you know, example the uh, CEO that was always in a leadership position, and and never realized that he it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> well, you dive into it. You talk about it. Oh, okay, I talked uh, a lot.
1: Yeah, but you do it so well. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, uh, and
1: I, I don't know, again, I don't know if, uh, what part of the book this is in, but there's there's one time, and I think it's later in the book, where there's uh, one CEO who's complaining that the people in his downline are mm-hmm. not taking his ideas and working off. Uh, mm-hmm. And this part is very similar to the, a bunch of the other stories, but mm-hmm. let me get into the details a little more. The, uh, in this case... Uh, he, he feels like he's doing, you know, he's a great leader. Uh, he's gotten the message out and he has gotten the message out, uh, at least the message, as far as he's willing to put it out. And uh, But people weren't executing on what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, finally, um, I can't remember was it Jocko or, or Leith, that, uh, found out that he had always been in leadership positions. And just expected people to do what he said without giving them the understanding of why it's important, without giving them a chance to have ownership of the process. Yeah. So uh, in the in this case, he realized that he wasn't really a, he thought he was a great leader because he'd always been in leadership. Uh, it's just been handed down to him, essentially, maybe through family or maybe just through luck. And then, uh, but it wasn't a family business, but- you know, maybe through private connections, who knows?
0: Yeah. So we all know uh, companies like that.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and, th- and that's beautiful. Um, so he, eventually he, it took him a long time to come to the real, first it took him to come to the realization that just because he's always been a leader doesn't mean uh, just because he's always been in leadership positions didn't mean he was actually a leader. Right. And so it really took, the guys uh, probably like a, a few months for him to to work with him, to understand that uh, he wasn't taking ownership. He was doing basically dictating edicts, but he was never owning the process and owning the failure that people blow him. Uh, he was assigning their failure to themselves and never circling back and asking why, uh, was there something in him? That was causing their failure. He's always just saying they're failing because they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And if he had took that same sentence and put his name in there earlier mm-hmm. on, he would have realized that he had to do something different and he mm-hmm. would have saved himself his company, probably a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. But eventually he, he it dawned on him that they're failing because he didn't provide something. Yeah, Just like the the blue on blue happened because Jocko didn't do something that he should have done or seen coming. And the end result is had he done something, which he had done it did afterwards, that person would be alive.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's so important. Like I think, let me think about this for you. like i think we can sit and we can point out and see a lot of leadership uh positions and a lot of leaders in our well so in our um work and our lives where people are like that like they're just not taking like you're you're sitting there and you're like what why are you not taking responsibility for that are you like, you're the, you're the leader here. you you should be taking responsibility for those things. And I, like, so one, one challenge though, that I would have for anybody in that type of a situation is okay, cool. Great. Yes, you're correct. But what's your responsibility in this situation? There it it's is. Kind of like, right. Yeah. When you, when you find those situations, look back in your history and think of the time
1: last five times when you said this guy is a terrible leader. Right. Find those examples, and then start thinking: What could you have done to own that process? Yep. And now you're thinking like an extreme leader owner.
0: Oh, extreme. Yeah, um, I mean, Did well, you? we can call, we <laughs> call it extreme leader. I mean, I, 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 don't think they have a word for it, but I, you know, in seeing one of the things that I think about too is there's like that leader versus manager um dichotomy, or sure. The, Meme that goes out there, like everybody talks about. Like a, um, a leader is somebody who has vision, and they're and they're they're leading you down into their vision. And then a manager is just somebody who is business as usual. Like, yeah. so what's the difference between a leader
1: and the guy that
0: runs the cult? Oh um, yeah, Maybe we'll, we'll I'll, I'll take that back. Let's let's ignore. That. <laughs> I was going to say maybe we should explore cults on another episode because <laughs> I don't know right now. I, I have to think about that one. <laughs> ready, ready. I'm going to get
1: my mind map out and start playing with
0: that one. Yeah, there was a, that. Uh, all right, I, I don't want to talk about or dive into it because we're going to go into a really crazy tangent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just reading up on on, on a, uh, a modern day cult recently, and it was just Ooh. like, whoa, and yeah, I was. Bad, bad ending. We still have those. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and this cult that I'm talking about is still going on. Um, oh, wow. They're, yeah, they're in. Uh, mm. uh, I'll just give a brief if you guys, if people are interested in looking it up and reading about it. Um, there's a really interesting um, aspect of it. It ended where the leader, um, uh, the police raided the house of the cult and they found the leader of the cult dead. Mummified, and the cult members were essentially worshiping the mummified corpse. Yeah, wow, well, yeah. Waiting for resurrection or what? I don't know. It, like, and but then, but the cult is still around and still happening and still going. It's just weird. It's so weird. Great leader, good job.
1: Passes vision
0: on. Definitely uh, no. doesn't sound like a manager. No. Female. It was a, a female, which this, that was the other aspect of it. Most cult leaders are male. Um, the, this person was a female, um, so yeah, it wow. was wild. Anywho, um, <laughs> so anyway, don't want to uh, con- belabor that because maybe, like I said, maybe we'll we'll talk about that at some point. Um, all right, so we are like I think we've gotten down to this, and I think Phil asked like the uh, the really or pointed out. The really good point of like where are you man i'm i wish i wrote it down because you put it so well um just the 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 five people that can make you nuts because they're terrible leaders and
1: then looking yourself
0: yeah that that i think that's the key takeaway um Cause it, it, we'll, we'll, we'll go and we'll probably read, uh, and talk about, um, Ryan holiday's, uh, ego is the enemy. Uh, that book is huge. Who uh, devil's advocate with that one? Oh yeah. No, I, I think that's a very good one. A uh, good one to, to play devil's advocate for. I mean, I'm no, I'm no Ryan holiday fan. He's kind of, he kind of went off the rails. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. It's just, it's sad. Um, But his uh, Stoicism trilogy is uh, fantastic. Uh, Fantastic reads. And I highly recommend them for anybody. But anyway, so that's it. Well, that's where I'm calling it today. Um, That was chapter one. I mean, just think about that. Like We've talked for over an hour about chapter one. And if that just is any indication to you about how good and chock full this book is with information and details and things like that, then go and pick up a copy and listen to it. I think this was not even a good depth into it. This was like our five points. Like this is our summary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause as we get, because we're going to get, we're going to keep going with uh, extreme ownership in uh, other episodes. Cause we got some really good ones. Like I love chapter two. I think chapter two is just amazing. Um, as a preview, it's no bad teams, only bad leaders. Is this oh. team two and team six? Uh, yes team and team no. Teams? I think it's something else. Um, It's, a kind of review <laughs> yeah it's so good it is just awesome and i i mean i i love a lot of the aspects of it of this book like i i love chapter three believe that's a really important one um which it's all about influence i love uh chapter six which is simple uh as co uh, as phil knows i'm all about simple um <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, yeah. It works. It's good. Um so well, anyway, I like your puppy from prison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why I find that one more <laughs> so funny, but it's good. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. We're going well, I'm calling it at this point. We're, uh, we're 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 done. Um come back for the next episode to continue this conversation. I it's yeah, this has been good. I like it. Um I think yeah. Uh all right. So All right, everyone. That's it for this episode, but our discussion didn't end here. We actually went on for another hour or so. If you would like to hear the rest of that discussion or the full unedited podcast please head on over to two dudes with an opinion.locals.com that's two the number 2 dudes with an opinion.locals.com and for the just the price of a cup of coffee you can hear that full unedited version and if you want to talk to Phil and I directly uh, just buy us a you know trip to McDonald's that's it that's all we ask anyway if you enjoyed this and like what we are doing, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, that really helps us in the charts. If you didn't enjoy it, well, well, I'm sorry. You can just drop Phil a line and, and let him know what you what you thought. And his uh, email is in the podcast notes. So just let him know. We'd like to hear from you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode from us. Otherwise, you can find all of our social media uh, in the podcast notes if you want to connect us with us there. If you do all that, we'll continue bringing you these great episodes, these great discussions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.